You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I'm very excited about what the Lord is speaking and what He's He's calling us into, especially in the time that we're living in. Um, just the horrible things that we see uh, people doing to one another, the way people treat one another. Um, I, I The great thing about this time that we live in, though, is that there's no gray areas anymore. You see the black and white for what it is. There's no confusion about, oh, maybe this is something else. It, it's exactly this. And so we see what is of God and we see what is not of God very, very clearly. And so that has been, that's nice for us as Christians because it makes our job a lot easier. Uh, we see where, in the, where the Lord is needed and we can also see where the Lord is established. But to start this evening, I just wanted you to know what the Lord has been saying about this place. But the first thing that he was saying to me today was that he just needs us to realize, and we'll, again, we'll talk about this on Sunday, but he needs us to realize that in all things, he is for us. In all things, he is for us. In everything that we're doing, everything that we're a part of, everything that we encounter in our life, we need to be able to rest in this truth that he is for you. And then the next thing that's really exciting for me, the Lord has been saying this to me for a long time, about the time that we're entering into as a church. And that, would, that is that we are going to be bridge builders. Where there have not been connections or where there have been severed connections, we're going to be bridge builders. We're going to be these people that will build a bridge to places that other people wouldn't. Maybe other people will judge us and not, and not want to be a part of us because we're building a bridge to these places. But we are going to be bridge builders. We're going to be people that bring unity and connection between the, the children of God, that there would not be a, uh, such a divide based on denomination and different things like that, but that we would be bridge builders in all that we're doing. Um, and again, we'll talk about that more on Sunday. But today, what I want us to look at, I want us to look at what the opposite, what is opposite from kindness. Uh, now, we've, we've talked about this uh, We've talked about this kindness that the Lord is leading us into, that he, He's desiring for us to establish the kingdom of God here in this city, in our communities, through His kindness. That His kindness, anywhere that there's an opportunity for kindness, that His kindness would be uh, placed there. Because with that kindness being placed there, now we open up truth. We open up the receiving of truth. We open up the opportunity for the miraculous nature of God to encounter a situation. So he's, he's called that. That's the mandate. We talked about this uh, this last Sunday, that the mandate is the release. So he's told us what we're to be doing, and that is to be uh, vessels for his kindness. And now we have that release. We've been unleashed that we can go and do that. But what the Lord has had on my mind today, the question I've really been asking him is, okay, what is this kindness then going against? The, the, the Lord is desiring to establish something here on this earth, establish His kingdom through this kindness. But what is it coming against? Why is it the kindness of God that He's seeking to release? Uh, for what purpose is that kindness? Because it, it's specific. It's not just that the Lord is, oh, we'll just be kind to people. He is being strategic 
in the releasing of His kindness and calling His children to be those vessels for that kindness right now. And so in thinking about that, I started thinking about uh, just the culture that we live in. And, um, you know, there was a, I was listening to a pastor who was talking about a, a neighbor of his that came up to their house one day and asked that his children would play quieter in their backyard because they were disturbing their peace. They were being too loud in their own backyard. And then she also wanted him to know that she didn't like the way he parked his cars in his driveway. He backed in instead of pulled straight in. She didn't like that, and she wanted him to stop doing that. And now he, he went to a different side of this. He, he, there was a different message in that for him, but what I started thinking about, and you know, there's a, there's a running joke um, on social media of uh, specifically women that will throw a fit about, and this is nothing against women, this is just specifically women that will throw a fit about nothing, or men that will throw a fit about nothing. A guy has, a, there's a video of a guy putting a see-through metal fence in between his and his neighbor's property, uh, rightfully so, it's not a big deal, and his neighbor's came to complain because they didn't like it. And they're videotaping him saying they're calling the cops. It's husband and wife. And he's like, for what? But they, they come to this place and people believe that they can treat people like this because they, be, they, are in, they believe that they are entitled to these things. And so what the Lord was showing me is that what this kindness is coming against is a culture of entitlement. Okay, and so let me, just, let me just show you what this word means. Entitlement is the amount to which a person has a right. And this is the real, this is the kicker right here. The belief that one is inherently deserving of privilege or special treatment. We have, a, we have an entire generation right now that thrives, that is fueled by that. Fueled by it. Fueled by it. But we've also had generations that have come that have established things in our culture that believed that they were entitled to things and other people were not. So I'm going to set something up so that I can keep what is mine for whatever justification they have for that thought. And I'm going to make sure that others don't have that. So much so that we now have people that believe that they have every right to go up to someone in their own property and tell them how they need to park their cars and how their kid need to play in their backyard. But what that's done is that has brought so many people to this place of just oppression. It has, it has pushed people down. And it has just created this culture where we just continually try to step on top of one another. We continually try to get higher and get ahead by crushing the person next to us. And kindness is the opposite of that. Because kindness is literally saying the kindness of God, not just me trying to be nice, but the kindness that comes from the heart of the Father is the opposite of that because that kindness is putting you in an uncomfortable situation no matter the cost to you. As long as it benefits the one that the Lord has told you to deliver this kindness to. So as long as you are being obedient and bringing this kindness into these places, you don't care what the cost is to you personally. As long as this person receives the kindness that the Lord has for them. You, you 
have no problem being this ship running into an iceberg if it means what is on the ship is getting to where it needs to go. So there's a difference, and we see this, this, uh, how these two are opposite, how they clash. Look at Luke 15. That's where we'll be for a little bit this evening. And now this is a very popular passage that we've discussed in depth in this church because the Lord has spoken great things of what he's leading this house into from this passage, what he's called this house into, who he's called this house to be in our identity in this season. But in Luke 15, verse 11, is where we'll start. Now, normally in this, we here lately, we've been focusing on the Father in this story. We've been focusing on the Father running out to meet the Son, receiving the Son, showing kindness to Him, and then immediately pouring truth into His Son. Immediately pouring truth into His Son. That His Son would be established in truth, and then from that day forward, that He'd operate in truth. But I want us to see what came before this kindness. In Luke 15, verse 11, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. It's very, very obvious, isn't it? What came before this destruction and this need for this kindness was entitlement. He saw that what the father had, that is the father's, it was not his. It was the father's. He thought, no, it's mine because I share your last name. I'm your son, so it's mine. But it's in that entitlement that you actually lose the gift and the beauty of, of this father and son relationship that the Lord's desired for us to live in. The father looks for that one quality which is obedience, and then in that place, everything that is His becomes yours. Because your life is laid down before His. Your will and your desires are reflective of His will and His desires. They are His will and His desires. They are not your own. And that's when you have that authority to claim the the Father's house and property as your own, because you're operating in the will of the Father. But right there, we don't see that. And so when we don't see that, when we see somebody looking as, that's my right, I don't care about you, that's my right, and I'm going to take it no matter what the cost is to you, we see this entitlement. We see what something, it's, uh, it's these kingdom paradigms that we see. We see what was intended in the kingdom, and then we see man trying to control it and take it and use it within the flesh. What was always intended for us to inherit the kingdom of heaven, that it would be ours, that we could operate in authority as sons and daughters in the kingdom of heaven. What we then did was we started to operate in the flesh and we saw everything as mine. I have the authority, it's mine. I don't serve God, I serve no one but myself, it's mine. And so this entitlement has created this culture where there is just a desperate need for kindness. There's, And it's not kindness specifically. It's a desperate need for people that live that, that live according to, that die to themselves and live for those around them. They don't live selfishly, they live selflessly. They value the life of those around them more than they value their own. They desire to see those around them to thrive 
despite what it could do to them. They're not always thinking of how do I get ahead of my neighbor? How do I have authority over my neighbor? That's all that is. Those people coming up and complaining, how do I elevate myself? How do I increase my value in myself above this person? Well, I'm going to tell them what they need to do, and they're going to do it. The only thing that you have with this person is you live on the same street. You have no authority over this person, but this, it's this search and this need, this desperate need for entitlement. But we as Christians, and we being the bridge builders that the Lord has called us to be, and these vessels for kindness that the Lord has called us to be, we have to, and Randy's been talking about this in depth for weeks, we have to recognize that our life is not our own. Despite the cost, our life is not our own. There is nothing. This breath is not mine. This is borrowed breath. This has been given to me. He has, by His grace, He has filled my lungs right now to speak words to you. If He wanted, He has every right. He could take me right now. He could take my tongue. He could shut my mouth that I could never speak again because my life is His. The second I said, I believe that Christ is my Savior, that He came and died for me, and I received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that I would walk in obedience to what the Lord has, His will and His will alone, that same moment that Jesus had in the garden, if this cup cannot pass from me, your will be done. That's what we say when we sign our name on this book of life. Your will be done. I believe that the sacrifice that Jesus paid for me, now my life is, is dead and I have risen new life and it is Christ that lives in me. It is His life that He has bought. That I, that I get to live with Him in unity with Him, but it is not me. It is Christ lives in me as we're supposed to live each and every day in step with the Spirit of God, living by the Spirit and in step with the Spirit, just as Jesus did because He paid for us. Our life is not our own. And so I'm just going to read some scriptures real quick. Um, and these, so you can just write these down because we'll, we'll go pretty fast. But these are just, I like to prove the things we said. We don't need to prove the fact that our life is not our own. As Christians, hopefully we already know that. But just some scriptures that I felt uh, speak this very well. Uh, Psalm 100 verse 3, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Then over in Romans 14, 8, for if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians 2.8 And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He was obedient with his own life. His own life was not his own. His own life was subject to the will of God to the point of death. And he is our example. If Jesus Christ is perfect theology, if everything you can believe can be founded in him, and he is your Savior, he is our Messiah, and his life was not his own, 
Dun, da, da, da. Your life is not your own. You live in freedom within the will of God. We have freedom. Right now, we're operating in freedom. We're coming here. We're not coming here in freedom. But still existing within the will of God. We have freedom. I love the example that Randy showed us. This, and this example, like I'm a visual person. I'm a visual learner. If, if you want me to be able to do something, show me how to do it, and then we're good. If you don't want me to be able to do it, put me in a classroom, tell me how to do it. I'm useless. Won't be able to do it. I need to see it. And so I love when God would give Randy these visual examples. And when Randy was teaching us about free will, freedom in his will, what that really looked like, it's existing in the backyard, in God's backyard. That also really helps me because I have children. So I understand their freedom to exist within these boundaries that I've set for them. But they can do all they want. They can go swim in the pool. They can go swing on the swing set. They can go play with their other toys. They can play with their dogs. If I'm working, they can come help or they don't have to come help. Sometimes I'll tell them, you need to get over here and help me. And other times they just come over and they help because they want to. There are times where I will give them specific instructions. I need you to walk to that side of the yard. I need you to pick this up and I need you to put it over there. Specific moments of obedience. There's also times where they'll see that's not in the place it's supposed to be. So they'll go grab it and they'll put it up. I don't have to tell them how to do it. I don't need to tell them what to do because they know that they're supposed to do that regardless. They play with a the toy. They get it out. They've got to put it back where it goes. They know that. Shoot, yeah, come on. We'll get it done. But we have freedom in His will, in that backyard. Only when we leave that backyard, now are we outside of His will. We had the choice to stay or go. And we had freedom within that, but outside of that, we have no freedom. That's, that's the thing. Outside of the will of God, you're now out operating outside of what you were made for. No freedom there. Tell me what in the world are these people that don't walk with the Lord, which, how, how many of them are free? I don't see a one. I see them desperately trying, and I see things desperately getting worse, and I don't see any one of them able to stop it. And you know, we want to look to great men that have done great things as our example, and, and these people that don't believe in God want to look to these men. These men had one thing in common. They believed that their life was not their own and that their life was to be lived according to the will of God for them. They don't want to give God credit. That's fine. That's on them. But we can see that very clearly that we were called just as Jesus was to exist within the will of God. And we can experience the freedom of God within that. But we have to recognize that our life is not our own. If we are Christians, if we believe that the Lord had come and He had sent His only begotten Son to be slain, that we would be washed clean, that He would pay the price that we owed and free us from death. If we believe that, then it is not I who live, but Christ in me. We have to recognize that. We have to believe in that going forward. Matthew 26, verse 36. Now, I, I have already referenced this, but I love this passage. One, it shows the humanity of Jesus to struggle, to be fearful. It's okay to be afraid. 
But he didn't stop. That didn't prevent him from being obedient. But it's, it's good to see this. Verse 36, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. His life was not his own, and he served the will of God. And he had freedom in that will, just as we've talked about, but he lived with an open hand. That's the next thing. He lived completely open. That even, even, with, even with this life, even with the breath in his lungs, that that would be taken from him if it would benefit those around him. He lived completely open with everything that he had, that the Lord's will would be done no matter what the cost to him personally. And so in a culture that views everything as theirs... Every opinion, every fact, every truth, um, this, this thought that we have the right to do whatever we want, we have the right to believe in whatever truth is personal to us, even if it's not factual or uh, relevant to anybody else, as long as it's truth for me, then it's truth and you need to respect it. Like, that's just entitlement. I can create anything I want to and you better respect it because I'm the one that created it. That's, in, I mean, that's entitlement. The world around us has to submit to what we believe. That's entitlement. Okay? And so what God has called to do with this entitlement, because if you'll notice, entitlement also breeds two things, and it's bitterness and malice. Have you ever met somebody that was genuinely happy that was also living a very entitled life? That someone that believed that... that they were inherently deserving of privilege or special treatment and that everything around them was their right? Have you ever met one of those people that believed like that, that was happy or joyful? No, they're bitter and they're angry. They need kindness. Kindness is absent. Kindness doesn't exist with entitlement. It doesn't exist. And so that's the kind of culture that we're coming against. But... That doesn't mean that every place that we go where kindness is needed, there was, there's entitlement. That's not what that means. But entitlement has been driving the culture, and so the Lord's answer is, I will send my people, and they will be equipped with my kindness. That will break down every wall. That will break down every barrier. I'm not going to send them with the most facts. I'm not going to make them the best debaters. I'm going to send them in with my kindness that they would desire for the person in front of them to thrive and succeed and to experience the love of God more than they would value their own life. And in that place, the Lord will bring about change. In that place, we will become bridge builders. And that's the really exciting thing. What, what would it look like if there were bridges built for the next however many years just across every, every possible line that you could think of? Every single one. Ministry, schools, 
race, communities, if from this place there left bridge builders that were constructing these bridges and bringing the kindness of God into these places that were now thriving because in that where that kindness is, now there is truth that has been received from the heart of the Father for them. You know, I was uh, talking uh, with someone who was, who was going through a hiring process, and they were, uh, someone had put me down as a, a recommendation. It, it's just funny because the person that's hiring him is also a good friend. And so uh, this person calls me, and we had had conversations about how do, you, how do I establish the kingdom of God in this place? How do I use my authority in this place to establish the kingdom of God? And it just came down very clearly, you just see everybody as God sees those people. And you'll establish the kingdom of God in that place. You do everything, you make every decision from that place. And that was many, many weeks before this conversation. And uh, He was asking about this one person. I just told him, you remember that conversation that we had about establishing the kingdom of God? Yep, that person will do that with you. And so you're talking about now because the kindness was first there in a moment, which is there was just kindness in this place. And it was my wife and this person. And because of her kindness to this person, now there's this relationship that I have that I can speak to this guy about establishing the kingdom of God in his place of authority. But because that kindness first existed there, later down the road allowed for an opportunity for truth to be received and heard and the Spirit of God to be received and now lived in. And now that that exists, now, there's, now that that bridge has been constructed, now you see, that, you see this foothold that the kingdom of heaven has in this place, has in this area. And it's just like, whew. It's just because someone was genuinely kind. Now truth exists. Now the Spirit of God is being made known, and now he is actually the authority in an established place. Now the kingdom of God will exist, and now this guy is hiring people based on who will help me advance the kingdom of heaven. That's cool. That's crazy. And this is not a church scenario that this guy is in. That's not where he's in. He's out there in the world. Not a ministry-based place that he works for. So this this, this is awesome. But we have to recognize what we're fighting so that we're not surprised by it. We have to recognize, we have to be clear and intent. You can't just charge into battle and not know where you're going, not know the terrain of the land, just start running wild. You have to know where you're going. There has to be clear instruction. The Lord has been giving us that. But what he, what he wanted to say um, in preparation for this message Sunday on being a bridge builder is that we have to see that entitlement has consumed our culture so that we're not shocked when it meets us face to face and the Lord still asks us to deliver that kindness in those places where entitlement has been the authority, where entitlement has been uh, what drives the people around us. He still wants kindness in those places. And we have to recognize that people are just simply searching. In all of these things that we see, people are searching for truth. That's all it is. People are searching for God because you're talking about creation that was made for creator that doesn't know their creator. All of creation was made for our creator, but a lot of creation does not know that creator. And so they're frantic. 
the second anything starts to shake, they're looking for anything solid and anything firm, and they're not finding it. So that's just making the shaking worse because they can't make it stop. Creation is searching for Creator. And we get to be the ones that reintroduce Him. And it's not through any word. It's not through any specific one action. It's just by simply being a vessel for the kindness of God to flow into every situation, every circumstance that we could come across. Every moment of every day, if you can come across a place where kindness is needed, you get to establish it. The Lord has released us for that and established us for that. But we've got to know what we're fighting. So know that the, what you're going against is that, that spirit of entitlement and everything that it brings with that. Bitterness, anger, hatred, malice, uh, depression, all these things that come from that one. It, it's kindness that, is, that has been called into action to go into these places and to destroy uh, the spirit of entitlement and establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. So that's part one, the Sundays. I'm going to stop because I'm going to start getting into Sunday's message and then you guys are going to get two doses of Sunday's message. Um, but I just, I'm very, very excited that the Lord is speaking with such specificity because what I believe and what I feel is that things are going to begin to start moving very, very quickly and this church is going to begin to take a shape, uh, a new shape in this season as the Lord ordains it and leads it. Uh, and I'm just really excited to see what that looks like to, for this place to be called a place of hope, for this place to be a place where bridge builders live and exist. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.